section sixty five of china japan and the islands of the pacific this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org recording by jim locke of floyd virginia the world's story volume one china japan and the islands of the pacific edited by eva march tapan section sixty five how the chinese received the first english ambassador by charles gutzloff seventeen ninety two a d for many centuries china had little intercourse with other countries various european nations tried to form commercial relations with her and there was buying and selling between them but it was most unsatisfactory the rules made by the chinese were as fickle as the wind often the merchants or foreign devils as the chinese call them were in danger of their lives several nations had sent representatives to china and in seventeen ninety two england decided to send lord macartney as an ambassador to the emperor in the hope of establishing safe and reasonable relations of trade even before the ambassador landed the tricky chinamen contrived to run up a flag on the vessel that bore him up the paiho whereon was written tribute bearer from england this was quite in accordance with the chinese custom of claiming all gifts as tribute another custom of theirs was that whoever approached the throne of the emperor must perform the kowtow that is must kneel three times and at each kneeling must bow three times till his head touched the floor this was the way in which the greater idols were approached and signified that the emperor was a god lord macartney told the chinese legate that he would not perform the kotow unless a high officer of state would kotow before a picture of the king of england the emperor finally agreed to admit the ambassador who bent his knee as he would have done before his own sovereign the editor on the day of audience the ambassadors were ushered into the garden of jiho tents had been pitched the imperial one had nothing magnificent but was distinguished from all the others by its yellow colour the imperial family as well as mandarins of the first rank had all collected shortly after daylight the sound of musical instruments announced the approach of the emperor he was seated in an open chair borne by sixteen men and seen emerging from a grove in the background clad in a plain dark silk with a velvet bonnet and a pearl in front of it he wore no other distinguishing mark of his high rank as soon as the monarch was seated upon his throne the master of the ceremonies led the ambassador toward the steps the latter approached bent his knee and handed in a casket set with diamonds the letter addressed to his imperial majesty by the king of england 
the emperor assured him of the satisfaction he felt at the testimony which his britannic majesty gave him of his esteem and good-will in sending him an embassy with a letter and rare presents that he on his part entertained sentiments of the same kind toward the sovereign of great britain and hoped that harmony would always be maintained between their respective subjects he then presented to the ambassador a stone sceptre whilst he graciously received the private presence of the principal personages of the embassy he was perfectly good-humoured and especially pleased with the son of sir g staunton who talked a little chinese and received as a token of imperial favour a yellow plain tobacco-pouch with the figure of the five-clawed dragon embroidered upon it afterward the ambassadors from burma and little bukharia were introduced and performed the nine prostrations a sumptuous banquet was then served up and after their departure they had presents sent to them consisting of silks porcelain and teas upon an application made to the prime minister respecting a merchant ship which had accompanied the ambassador's frigate they received the most flattering answer and every request was fully granted to them having accompanied the embassy the ship was to pay no duty after their return to peking it was intimated to them that his majesty on his way to yuen ming yuen would be delighted if the ambassador came to meet him on the road when the emperor observed him he stopped short and graciously addressed him he was carried in a chair and followed by a clumsy cart which could not be distinguished from other vehicles if it had not been for the yellow cloth over it on his arrival at yuen ming yuen he viewed with great delight the various presents which the ambassador had brought with him a model of the royal sovereign a ship of war of a hundred and ten guns attracted much of his notice in consequence of this embassy his imperial majesty called together a council to deliberate what answer ought to be given to the letter the result of this conference was that the ambassador was given to understand that as the winter approached he ought to be thinking about his departure at an interview with the minister of state to which he was invited in the palace he found the emperor's answer contained in a large roll covered with yellow silk and placed in a chair of state from thence it was sent into the ambassador's hotel accompanied by several presents news which arrived from canton stating the probability of a rupture between england and the french republic hastened the departure of the ambassador he had been very anxious to obtain some privileges for the british trade but the prime minister was as anxious to evade all conversation upon business the splendid embassy was only viewed as a congratulatory mission and treated as such the chinese were certainly not wanting in politeness nor did the emperor even treat them rudely but empty compliments were not the object of this expensive expedition 
the next english ambassador lord amherst who came in eighteen seventeen refused to kotow was told that he was a rude man who did not know how to behave and was bidden to go home at once the editor end of section sixty five this recording is in the public domain recording by jim lock of floyd virginia